Welcome to the Red Bank Rum Runner. I'm your host, Anthony Jude Sotero. In 1888, my ancestors settled and built an Italian colony at the foot of Cooper's Bridge in Red Bank, New Jersey. In 1903, my great-great-grandfather, Domenico Sotero, was murdered by the head of the largest bootlegging ring on the North Jersey shore, John Calandrillo. Instead of becoming mortal enemies with the man who murdered his father, the exact opposite happened. Because his father was murdered, my great-grandfather, born Giovanni Coney Sotaro, was watched over by Calandrillo, and the family was taken care of. They became brother-in-laws, business associates, and lifelong friends. Marked as untouchable and standing at six foot one, 200 pounds, Coney, Big John Sotaro, as he was known, operated a safe house for early Italian travelers and bootleggers next to the West End Hotel on Morford Place in Red Bank. The Sotaro safe house was directly behind the passenger and freight depot of the Central Rail Line and became a strategic location during the great bootlegger battles along the northern New Jersey shore during Prohibition. If anyone was coming in or out of Red Bank, they had to go through Big John, and he was an imposing figure to anyone that crossed his path. Good evening. Are you sure you want to proceed? You come here seeking answers. Yes. Be careful. Secrets, some of them were never meant to be uncovered. Every whisper, every ghost story around here has a truth to it, if you search for it. But these truths, uh, they aren't uh, black and white. No, no. These truths, they are all bathed in gray. You dig deep enough, and you will find out what I mean. Good. Then at last, it is time to share 
our story. You see, uh, prohibition didn't start until 1919. But my father, God rest his soul, and my uncles had been bootlegging in uh, the Red Bank 30 years before that. Bootlegging was not uh, a new idea. It was well established in the Red Bank, and we were all involved. We wouldn't let anyone take us out of business. Bootlegging comes with a lot of blood and money. But, like I said before, there is no black and white here. Yes, that's right. You see, when we came from Sassano, we had a plan, and it was a good plan. John Calandrello's father, Gaetano, had a bottling plant in Brooklyn and one in Red Bank. Tom, as we called it, Gaetano, was one of the biggest bottlers on the East Coast. Tomatoes, ketchup, and on the side, booths, my people, Sotaros. We are all well known for our wine throughout the world. Casa Sotaro in Italy, overlooking Mount Vesuvius, is one of the finest vineyards in all of Italy. So, when we came to America, no one back home questioned why when we wanted to establish a winery in Red Bank. We were all legitimate businessmen who happened to have an affinity for wine and spirits. So, we came to America to leave off the land, hmm? the way Sotaros always have. Since King Robert first gave Nicola that land in Capri nearly a thousand years ago. That's right. We wanted to simply farm the land in Red Bank and make it fertile so that we could live off of the land grow our grapes, and so that we could one day be able to harvest the grapes to make our wine so that we could bottle it and then sell it. And, well, before you know it, we would have our own little, how do you say, enterprise. So. We, the Sitaros and the Calendreros, we were destined to be best friends. Hmm? From the very start, 
We had such a strong kinship ever since uh, my father and Tom Calandrello would drink together at the West End Hotel on Morford Place in Redmond. My grandfather, Don Vito Sataro, he was a great military officer, a military general under the King of Italy. He saw the way things were headed back home, famine, war. He wanted better for all of us, for the whole family. So he had an idea to relocate and recolonize the family here in America. His sons, my uncles, my father, they were all Italian military as well. They came here to America with my cousins in 1888. With the plan, my grandfather, Don Vito Sotaro, drew up. It was a plan, an ironclad plan, and he had it all mapped out. He wanted to create a place where the Sotaros could live off of the land in Red Bank. That's right. At the time, there was no other Italian farmers here in New Jersey. And so, when my grandfather told his sons about this, you know what they said? Papa, we will go to America and succeed. That's what they told him when they talked with him on his deathbed in Italy in 1884, before they came here and started their lives in New York. That's right, with his maps and all the trade routes. And so, We split our families apart. Some went to Brooklyn, some up to Connecticut, off to Chicago, and down here to the Red Bank. You said your goodbyes at Ellis Island. Sure, we kept in touch with most of our family, Hmm? when we could sent things to each other via the rail or ship them with one of our trucks. Sometimes we'd send things by boat up the river, but for most, that was it. That was your goodbye for this life. See you wherever, whenever we get to wherever we're going next. And so, we said our goodbyes right there at Ellis Island as we came in.
and we prayed each night to one day meet again. And all we wanted to do was to do what we had always done in Italy, in Sassano, to live off the land with our families and make some of the best wine the world has ever tasted. And sell it so everyone could enjoy our wine. That was it. That was the plan. And we rooted ourselves in Red Bank. This is home. There's a reason why it's called uh, Little Italy around here. It was under the patronage of my grandfather, Don Vito Sotaro, that this place became populated with Italian immigrants from all over Italy. Hmm? He wanted our families to all be friends and to work together and help each other out. But what do they say, right? Hmm? We make plans and God, he just laughs. And boy, did he ever. A real good belly laugh he had too. Hmm? Still laughing, I think. You see, the winters on the river in New Jersey were much harsher than we were used to back home in Sassano, Italy. And the salt air proved a much more difficult environment for us at first than we had prepared for to grow our grapes. It would take us years to master making our wine here. But even farming the land was rough in the beginning. We weren't uh, protected from the elements quite as much like we were back home in Sassano, up high in the mountains. No, here we were out there in the open meadows, down there, by the water, exposed right on the peninsula, surrounded by the fields as they slowly rolled and made their way down towards the water. The winters in Red Bank get so cold from the winds as they come howling straight off the ocean, less than six miles away, down the river. And those winds can be so strong and so cold during a harsh nor'eastern storm as they're coming down the river. That gale force that the whole river would freeze over in one night. Ice 12 inches thick, straight across. 
And once the Shrewsbury River freezes over like that, well, it creates Mother Nature's most beautiful ice skating rink, like a mirror straight across. Wasn't good for shipping, hmm? Not by a long shot. But three months out of the year, no matter what we did, if we had grapes growing or not, you could rest assured that those rivers would be frozen over from one end to another, far as the eye could see. And you would have thought that the whole world would be frozen over right then and there if you walked down by the waterfront across from the meadow at that time of year around Christmas. Not the soul in sight. But look up. The sky is full of birds migrating south for the winter. I'll bet you there were millions of them, except uh, the cardinals and the other winter birds that would find their home in our holly trees. And as for us, we didn't like it uh, one bit at first. But we either froze or we got out the skates. And every year now, it's a tradition now. The whole family gets together on that ice rink by the waterfront. It is our favorite spot for family get-togethers in the winter. Some years, hmm, it gets so cold, cold enough. It will last that way with the river frozen over like that for months. As if uh, someone just painted a mirror across uh, the water, stopping time as they froze the earth with their paintbrush. And you can walk straight across there on the river, hmm? when it's frozen, right on over to the other side there, Middletown, like Christ uh, walking across the sea. Nearly pissed myself the first time I saw a man do that, naturally. Hmm? Never saw a man walk across the water before. It's a real uh, pretty there, too, hmm? when it's frozen. The ice is so shiny and smooth like a glass, and the sunlight reflects off the sun, bouncing off the water beautifully. As you look down from up here on top of our property, where I can see all the way across Middletown, whitecaps teeming with fish and birds everywhere skittering across the frozen waves. It was real pretty. Hmm? Every year, 
when the saloons were still open. That first time, the Shrewsbury River would freeze over each year. They'd have a contest. Hmm? First man to ride his sleigh into town across the river there wins himself a free drink at the saloons. That's right. And you know what? That son of a bitch, Dan Essie, would win it every year, even into his 80s. That's right. Came flying across the river there on his sleigh like a jolly old Saint Nicholas. Coming into town, into the saloons, at full speed he was on his sleigh. You ever uh, try to stop a sleigh being pulled by a horse while it's galloping, gliding full speed across a sheet of ice, huh? Well, it's not too easy to stop a 900-pound stallion heading at full force like that, I tell you. Hmm? And so, well, you can imagine that you'd certainly need a few drinks of whiskey after trying to stop that stallion now, wouldn't you? Hmm? That's right. So Dan, I see. Hmm? He'd be pulling up in front of the saloon with his big draft horse breathing hard. And they would lead him inside. That's right. Lead him inside. Like they were leading a bull into the arena. I tell you what. And then they would give him a drink on the house, of course. And then a few more after that. And I tell you what, those saloon girls, they'd be all over the poor man from the moment he stepped in there. <laughs> That's right. I guess uh, some things uh, never change, does it? It was always good to see him win that contest. And so, they started racing ice boats down there on the river, too. The Shrewsbury, down there on the ice in the winter. The river is frozen over. His men come from all over the world to race their ice boats here, too. Hmm? Big sport it was, ice boating. And for some men, even bigger bets were being wagered. Years later, I was racing my ice boat too, just for fun. By this time, the saloons were all closed down. And all of us kids, we'd race our ice boats down there together instead. There's nothing like oh, that sensation you get when you hear the ice cracking beneath your feet as you glide across the frozen reef. They ran utility poles out there into the ice at night, down on the river. Hmm? So the man could keep racing when the sun goes down. Had a big 
carnival down there, too. Right on the ice. Like you were standing out there, ice skating, inside a giant snow globe. Hmm? And it would stay that way, with the river frozen over until the spring sun began to shine down and the little buds began to sprout on the flowers in the meadows along the shore. Hmm? Showing signs of life along the waterfront. It was an absolutely breathtaking sight. Staring down the mouth of the Shrewsbury River. A big tall glass of the earth's elusive elixir. This beautiful flowing body of water. Reflecting the sun, the moon, the stars, and the clouds. And there I was with my father walking across the ice, just like uh, walking on a sidewalk. We were headed to the center of town for some food at the little market where we would sit and have our lunch during those days. I never heard him scream, just a loud cracking noise. And I was falling. And then there I was, flying through the air, falling down into the frozen river. There's only one place to go if you're in the middle of the mighty Shrewsbury River and it's winter time. Down you go. And I was trying to get back up onto the top, but it's uh, so hard when your fingers are numb from the cold water. And there I went, huh? right back at it, right back under again, under the ice. Papa, he saw me poke my head up out of the water just in time before he jumped in and swam over to me. And that's uh, how I got my name, you know. When I was little, the ice fishing kid. That's right. So what? What do you think about that now? Pretty crazy, huh? No denying it. And uh, they had these two massive uh, ferry steamboats that came into port right down on the river, dropping people off in Red Bank, the Seabird and the Libertina. Luxurious steam ferries. They were, they brought the men back and forth to Sandy Hook or for Manhattan down the river and beyond. Every day, thousands and thousands of people coming on and off those boats. So the waterfront in Red Bank became 
the business district in town, down by the wharf, the docks, where the men came off the boats and where the farmers came down to market hmm, to sell their produce and trade their goods. One day, my cousins, the Galatros, would have their massive produce market down there on the waterfront by the wharf. Hmm? John Galatro. He grew his dad's produce down here and he'd bring it up to New York. And on his way home, he'd help some of our family, hmm? help move them down here to Red Bank and the shore with his wagon. That's right. Great man, hmm? helped get his good friend, hmm? Anthony Biancamano, started in his banana business, set him up right in there, hmm? in the basement of the Union Hotel. But long before then, when we first got here, the Union Hotel, hmm? it was James Atkins' place, Jimmy was a nice old man, gave me a little wooden gun when I was a boy, made out of wood and metal. And he liked to sit there all day long with his chair leaning up against the wall, watching people come in and out and go about the business through those two big glass front doors. You see, we chose the Red Bank because of the way that it was situated up there at the mouth of the river. And you know, they didn't just have those two big ferry steamboats. Hmm? They're shuttling people down to the shores of the Red Bank. No, they also had the rail line there in the Red Bank. Hmm? It came down and signalizer. Well, he was building a massive factory that employed thousands of people. That's right. Eisner. He was one of the first people to take advantage of all that Red Bank had to offer him. A true entrepreneur. Those two fairies. Hmm? alone would carry more than 4,000 people a day back and forth to the shore. And thousands other people were being employed by men like Sigmund Eisner, who built this massive factory right on the riverfront. And this massive factory here in Red Bank it began to dictate the entire town's future around it. Hmm? You see, all of a sudden, the businessmen in town were catering to this new industry that Eisner brought with him. And that's when the town started to develop and build and grow into what it is today. That massive factory there was almost like a magnet pulling in all these people 
from everywhere around the region to work here. Hmm? And they settled here at Red Bank, right on the riverfront. Eisner opened his factories there, all along Bridge Avenue, up from the Italian colony, near the train line and the depot. The beautiful surrounding countryside in Red Bank and Middletown also made a for fertile land, for farming, once we learned to protect our crops from changing seasons, it was protected from the winds and the tides, acres and acres and acres of lush, beautiful farmland all along the water. From there, in Red Bank, we could get anywhere we wanted to go in the state or up to New York by either rail or by water. It was the perfect place. Like uh, we had somehow miraculously found and settled on the twin shores of Capri. We would have the vineyard to make the wine down here in Red Bank. And we would ship it to wherever it needed to go next. We had the bottling plants, the wagons, and we were building the rail line. And so, some of the family went up to Connecticut, others to Brooklyn, Staten Island, and to Pennsylvania. Some of the family went up there, near Philadelphia, hmm? near my cousin, one of the other Giovanni Sotaros. He was a big opera singer. There were some big opera and uh, summer vacation spots down here, as well at the Jersey Shore, that attracted very wealthy diplomats, dignitaries from all over the world. Even American presidents began to make their way here. Started attending Sunday Mass down there in Long Branch at the Church of the Presidents, they called it. And of course, uh, there was also some seedier, more unsavory places where the wealthy could truly let loose and indulge in all of their wildest fantasies, explore their more hedonistic tendencies and desires. One such place was a little boarding house along some of the most pristine coastline on all the East Coast, down in Deal Beach, a place called the Hathaway House. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Hathaway House. There were many transient people coming into town for short stays, for business or pleasure. Because of this, there were several bars and taverns 
Lake Hathaway House and the West End Hotel that also offered uh, rooms or flats for the night or short stays, offering patrons a stiff drink and a place to escape the boredom of everyday life and indulge their hedonistic tendencies. These establishments became the breathing ground for criminal underworld that was lurking in the shadows of paradise. The first stop for anyone on their way down to the Jersey Shore, however, was Highland Beach.